Today on episode number 483 of the School of Podcasting's morning announcements, which you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 483, I'm going to tell you I ditched the Apple Podcast app for another podcast player. I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you all the cool features. I found, if you want one, an alternative to SpeakPipe. It's like SpeakPipe on steroids, and we're going to talk with Jason Bryant. Here's a guy who is making a living doing 12 different podcasts about a topic he loves. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so very very much for tuning in. I realize your life is busy and you're taking time out of your day to listen to little old me and I never, ever, ever take that for granted. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com and if you're new to the show, we talk about all things podcasting. What I try to do is I help to massage your message, I help you tackle the technology, I help you face your fears, and I help you flatten the learning curve and get you on the road to pain-free podcasting. And we're going to talk a little technology today. The first one is recently the podcast app, which is native to the iPhone and the iPad, any kind of iOS device. It's a really great app. I've loved it for years. And when the latest version of the Apple operating system came out, they broke it. And it was broke for the better part of a week, maybe two to the where I didn't upgrade my phone because I knew this is one of the greatest things about the podcast community. We all keep keep each other informed, and we were all well aware that, hey, don't upgrade your phone. And so that also led people going, you know what? This is kind of a pain in the butt. And I was sticking with the podcast app because I do a lot with Clamor. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Clamor, it's C-L-A-M-M-R.com. It's a app for the iPhone and allows you to share up to 18 seconds uh, of audio from your podcast. And I make almost all of my clamors from my phone, and Clamor can only see the podcast app. So I was kind of hanging out for that. But when I finally was able to upgrade my phone because Apple fixed their stuff, I really hated what they did to the app. And I could go into it, but basically, on part of it, I was like, am I just being human? Because being human means you don't like change. Some of us want our eight-track tapes back. But I was like, you know, I just don't, I hate the new navigation. I'm just not crazy about it. It seems like I was always having to push one more button to get something to play. And so I'd heard a lot about Overcast. And the news I want to share is Overcast used to be $5. It's now free. Now, this is only for the iOS, basically an iPhone and iPad. So if you're on an Android, I'm sorry. But it's really cool. And here's what I like about this. Now, some of this you can do with the podcast app from Apple. Number one, they have a thing called smart speed. Now, this is different than just speeding things up. It actually kind of looks ahead of what is coming and dynamically shortens silences. And I'm amazed as I look at my app that I am at times uh, listening at like 2.5 speed. It's uh, pretty amazing. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is if you go into the app, you can actually see here, I'm trying to pull this up under, uh, when you go into kind of your settings, at the very bottom it says, smart speed has saved you an extra two hours beyond speed adjustment alone. So if you're trying to squeeze more podcasts into your day, 
it's pretty cool. It also has a voice boost. Now, what this does is it normalizes the volume. Thank God, because I'm not getting problems with people making their show too loud. It's the opposite, where I've literally got my car cranked all the way up and I can't hear it. I call this the dog walking test. Back when I had a dog, uh, I live on... um, off of Detroit Road in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and I would be walking the dog, and Detroit Road's kind of noisy. And if I couldn't hear your podcast over the traffic, we had a problem. So now you can listen in noisy cars and, and still hear everything. It's really pretty cool. They let you make playlists. That's nothing new. And um, they do have a discovery tool here. It says it finds new shows from your Twitter friends and spread the word about great shows. In other words, what I love about this is they have a really cool recommend feature so you can basically press a button share it and not only share that you're listening to a show you can say share that i'm listening to the show and i really like this spot at the three minute 36 second mark now that's when i saw that i went there you go if i want to clamor something i will just share it on twitter my twitter is at learn to podcast and i'll just go back later and turn that into a clamor so this is brand new the other thing I like about it is you can program more than 15 seconds for if you want to skip. So if I'm in the middle of something and I'm like, ah, I can't get out of this. Uh, I, uh, I, I want to be able to skip ahead. There's an interesting feature called priority where you can assign a priority. And then when an episode in a playlist ends, it'll play the topmost unplayed episode next instead of the following one. So you can assign different shows a, priority. Now there is a uh, a skip button where you can use your headphone. That's the one thing I kind of miss that I can't just go go to the next podcast uh, super easy. But on the other hand, uh, that was one of the things they kind of took away in the podcast app. And there are times when I'm listening to something and I'm like four minutes in and I know, yep, this one's not going to do anything for me. I also love the fact that the app doesn't take itself too seriously. There's a setting in it that says icon badge number, and it says show the number of unfinished episodes on Overcast icon to add stress to your life. Uh, the one thing I really like, so the fact that you can't easily go to the next podcast, but here's the cool thing. I can say skip ahead a minute, and I believe if I press that three times in a row, it starts jumping like five minutes at a time. So you can just blip through an episode that you're like going, not doing a thing, for me. So it's pretty cool. And my goal is if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 483, I will show you how to use this. Now, there are those that might say, oh, don't tell your audience to use Overcast because you'll lose rankings in iTunes. And you know what? Uh, They got a point. But to me, it is the epitome of content marketing. Your show will be number one as long as you continue to listen to your audience and give them what they want. And I know for a long time, a lot of people have said, I wish there was a programmable button in the podcast app. And maybe Apple felt pressure not to put something like 60 seconds on that because we all know many advertisements are a minute and it's easy now to skip over the commercials. So it's pretty cool, and it's free. Now, how is it free, Dave? Because we've heard me say on the show, Dave doesn't like free stuff. Well, what they're doing is you can go into the settings, and you'll see where you can go in and support Overcast. And if you want, you can give them basically a dollar a month. Or uh, if you want, you can see now that he has 644 people who have donated 
to that. And he, he basically said, if people didn't, it used to be it was free, but then you had to pay to unlock the cool features. And he said 80% of the people were not using the cool part of the software. So if uh, you want to check this out, go over to uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash overcast, and uh, you can see that there. Again, I right now it's just for iOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a new listener, I love toys, I love technology, and before I even get into this, let me tell you that I love SpeakPipe. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash SpeakPipe, this is a free tool that if you use the free version, you can have, I believe it's up to 200 messages that are 90 seconds a piece. Now, you can actually buy a plan for $7 a month, and you can have 200 minutes of storage. Uh, Sorry, not 200 messages, 20 messages per month. And they can only be 90 seconds long if it's free. 200 minutes of storage, uh, 150 messages a month uh, for $7 a month. And I believe I'm on the gold plan, which is $12 a month, 400 messages a month, 600 minutes of storage. And your messages can be up to five minutes a piece. And so first things first, I love SpeakPipe. I just want to let you know this is available. It's called Voice Stack. Now, they do have an affiliate program. So... I will, it's, uh, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash voice stack, and here we go again with the cute names, it's V-O-I-C-E-S-T-A-K, no C. Now, what does this do that SpeakPipe does not? Well, it's very SpeakPipe-esque, except it allows you to capture voice messages, and there's no limits to how many messages you can have. That's kind of cool. It's not free, though, so keep that in mind. You can have up to five minutes, just like SpeakPipe, but unlimited storage, unlimited messages, and here's the fun part. You can get video messages. So I'm thinking maybe if you're using podcasting for your business, or even if you're not podcasting, if you're using a business, this is a great way to get testimonials and feedback. Now, there are some things here that are kind of interesting about this. Number one, you could tie this to your YouTube channel. And I'm like, I don't know, what happens if the troll shows up? <laughs> this guy sucks. Uh, that's going to go right to your YouTube channel. That's a little different, but you could do that. It integrates with um, email. You can actually have it uh, text you when a new message comes up. You can put, you basically create a widget and you can put it anywhere. So we're SpeakPipe. You can kind of put it anywhere. So it's a little, it's kind of like SpeakPipe on steroids. Now, consequently, the price is a little bit on steroids. Like I said, SpeakPipe you can use for 90-second messages for free, and then pricing starts at $7 a month. This, prices start at $17 a month. Now, you do get unlimited messages, things like that. And like I say, it integrates with um, with email, which is kind of interesting. It's a great way to maybe build your audience. Now, for the record, that whole thing about growing your email list, that is part of SpeakPipe as well and you can actually with SpeakPipe you can actually click and reply I'm not sure that is a part of voice stack but the big thing I saw was you can now get video and so depending on the scenario you might want to check this out I might put it on the school of podcasting for a month and see uh, what we get I am intrigued by the one-time fee so instead of paying monthly, you can spend one ninety seven, and it's yours for life. And I went, that's intriguing. That's kind of different. And so if you're interested in this, if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 483, I'll have a, a video that shows this off. And uh, if you're interested in purchasing it, 
check out schoolofpodcasting.com slash voice stack. And again, voice stack, V-O-I-C-E-S-T-A-K. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. All right, I want to play a conversation I had with Jason Bryant of matttalkonline.com. Really cool guy, really funny guy. And if you're new to this show, I do something kind of odd, and that is I interrupt my own interviews. And as I was editing this and uh, getting ready for you to listen to it, I noticed a couple things, and I'm going to point those out as we go through the interview. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jason Bryant. All right. Well, joining me via Skype, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet always makes me laugh. Always. Uh, this is one of those things where you attract people like yourself that uh, are very serious about what they do, but don't take themselves too seriously and has a great background in wrestling and is now doing podcasting his full time gig. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'd say, well, close to full time. It's about 90 percent. I've got some freelance stuff that I do, but yeah, the vast majority of my work is is podcast wrestling related. Awesome. Well, the one, the only from matttalkonline.com, Jason Bryant. Dun, dun, dun. I'm waiting for the sound effects, man. You're, you're the guy that's got all this stuff. I was, <laughs> was waiting for Soundboy Pro or Soundbite, whatever, <laughs> I jingle, whatever you're using this week. I was ready for it, and I, I just had to create my own. That's it. We'll, uh, we'll put those in in post. You're, you're, you're crazy. That's what I think. You're, you're screwing. Let's dive into your background, because that, I think, has something to do with kind of where you're at and you didn't just start up one day and go, I think I'll do a bunch of podcasts about wrestling. You you've been immersed in wrestling for how long at this point? Uh, I want to say, see January 95. So this is, this is actually my 20th year covering wrestling and I just turned 36. So if you do the math, I've been covering it uh, since I was in high school, I actually wrote my first story about wrestling before I actually ever stepped on a wrestling mat. So I was a, I was a sports nerd, journalism nerd. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, sports writer growing up. But uh, I got into wrestling, but uh, you know, got into it. I was working for the school newspaper, uh, doing some yearbook. I had I'd started doing PA announcing when I was a freshman in high school for baseball. And by the time I was a sophomore, uh, other sports coaches had asked me to do PA. And then I, you know, I knew we were good in wrestling. And I, I went to a match. A friend of mine took me to a wrestling match. I'm in the bleachers. There's probably seven, eight hundred people there. I mean, we were a wrestling crazy town. We were, you know, small, aggressive, redneck wrestlers out in Pocosin. So, uh, you know, I he started telling me what the rules were. I got into it. I was like, this is cool. Two days later, there's this mega wrestling event called the Virginia Duels at the Hampton Coliseum. So, uh, you know, I, we went there. We beat the 18th ranked team in the country. I was just a sophomore and I got hooked on the sport. And, you know, I was still doing a bunch of other sports. My goal really coming through high school as I wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted to be the most recognizable sports broadcaster ever. And I realized that, you know, now with everything being on the internet and there's so many channels out, that's kind of a tough thing to do now. But that was my goal early. That was what I wanted to be. And then my senior year, uh, a guy who kind of tutored me and, and trained me on on public address is a guy named Greg Martin. He really trained me on the, on the mic work and the PA. The sports knowledge kind of came on my own. Senior year, he goes, hey, we want to do high school football. We're going to do Pocosin High School football on the radio. So there I am as a senior in high school doing doing radio. And then the next year, you know, I ended up being in the studio doing a scoreboard show. But later that year, I was like, we're going to start this thing called Matt Talk, and it's going to be about wrestling. And that was my first show, and that was in in 19, January of 97. We started the, the radio show called Matt Talk. It was on an AM station about five miles outside of town. 
Uh, I go to graduate. I go to college. I stay local. Good Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, about 25 minutes away, depending on traffic. And, you know, through college, I worked for the, the student radio station as a sports director. I did PA for home wrestling matches, did PA when the when sports information needed me for soccer and field hockey. So uh, I had I wanted to have a big background in so many different sports. And then at some point, I'm not sure when it was the shift went wrestling completely because I had worked at a newspaper. I was working at a daily newspaper, but wrestling, the, the wrestling thing just kind of took off. I was announcing tournaments on weekends to pay for school. And uh, I found out I was pretty good at it. And I found out that I kind of knew a lot. You know, I started picking up things about the sport and people started looking at me as like, Hey, you know what you're talking about? And I was like, uh, okay, do I really? Well, here we go. You know, 2018, you know, 2018 years later, uh, that's, that's kind of where I sit. So that's kind of the abbreviated version of what really got me into wrestling and, and broadcasting and, and kind of where, what kind of led to the jumping point of where I am today. So what is a PA announcer? Like, like give us a sample, Jason Bryan doing PA announcing. Oh, geez. You know what? That's, that's one thing I want to, this is a little bit tough to do when you don't have it in front of you because you're faking yeah. it. So I can do this in my car all the time. It's when I practice, but <laughs> Uh, let me let me let me find a name from the world. Actually, you know what? I got my 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 uh, my preview guide that I put together for the national. So I'm going to say uh, basically I'll, I'll call a match. You know, uh, now wrestling on Matt. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I'm, they were doing letters in Vegas instead of numbers. So I was thinking Matt A. All right. So, for example, let's go with Lorenzo Thomas and Brett Farr. All right. So uh, now wrestling on Matt one from Penn. Lorenzo Thomas. He's the 10 seed. He'll be taking on the number 11 seed. Brett Farr, sophomore at the University of Minnesota, coming in with a 22 and 10 record. They're wrestling now on Matt one. That's kind of how I would do a PA thing. Now, if we're in, in action, I keep it, I, I dumb it down. I don't say, you know, great inside trip to a single leg to a bar arm. It'd be like, you know, uh, Thomas strikes first with a two-point takedown. He's looking for near fall on one. Five zero, your score. Keep an eye on that one on Matt one. That's, you know, and if I have like four or five mats I'm doing, I go mat to mat to mat. So that's kind of how I turn that on with the PA side of things. How insane is that to call four matches at a time, though? I, I've called eight <laughs> oh yeah eight mats the the biggest tournament i go to i don't call all of these but uh the biggest tournament of the year is the one in fargo which you've heard me probably talk about a little bit that's 23 wrestling mats simultaneously nobody and their mother is going to be able to call that nobody with their mother is going to be able to call that but um so that's that's the gist of the pa side it's really just traffic cop and, and letting people know if something exciting is going on because i'm paying attention so if i know if the, the guy that's ranked number one in the country is losing with 15 seconds to go you draw your attention to that mat all right, so how did we get into podcasting? Dumb luck, kind of the same way I got into wrestling. So in 2000, from 2005, actually, let me, let's back up. In 2004, I graduated from Old Dominion after spending an extended stay of seven years as an undergraduate. Uh, part of that had to do with beer. Part of that had to do with books. And part of that had, okay, a lot of that had to do with beer and working late nights at a newspaper. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was a slacker my first three years. Took me about uh, year five. I came back, made the dean's list, got my money back, you know, learned that with a night job, you don't take classes before 9 a.m. or before noon. So uh, once I graduated, I you know went full time at the newspaper and ultimately they pulled me off the wrestling beat. And it was something I had been balancing my time as a part timer between, you know, the phone stagger gathering, the clerk stuff and then having a beat. I was It was weird because they usually didn't put what was called pres presentation. The people that lay out the paper on the gathering side, which is where the writers were. And there was an opening for a copy editor and a layout. And I'd been doing layout at that point for like two or three years. 
And, you know, I thought I was ready for this job. And they said, yeah, you know, I applied for it. And they said, well, you know, we're going to let you keep doing your wrestling thing. Uh, you know, you, my schedule was already set. And then I'd been at, at that point there eight years. I'd been there longer than everybody except for three writers. And, you know, when they scheduled me through some of these big wrestling tournaments in December, I was like, hey, this was on the schedule. And it's like, you're the low man on the totem pole. I'm like, I've been here longer than you have. So uh, that was kind of like, all right. Let me uh, let me get out of this. And then there was an opening with the National Wrestling Coaches Association uh, shortly thereafter. I freelanced with them for that year. And in St. Louis at the Nationals in 2004, they were kind of talking to me saying, hey, would you want to come in, move to Pennsylvania, run our media website, which was called Intermat, which that site still exists. OK, so I'm going to pause it here. So he took a job. You'll notice this. Jason does a job. Somebody sees him and asks him to do another job. Now, how do you get that to happen? By taking advantage of every opportunity you get. And when somebody um, does not treat you nicely, like in that last story, did Jason cuss and moan and spit? No, because the people that get helped are the people you want to help. And nobody wants to help the whiner. So he just picked up, found a new place, found somebody who appreciated his talents, who said, wow, this guy's good. Let's ask him if he wants to do this. Notice that pattern throughout this whole story. A uh, different iteration of it now. And I became their director of media relations, handled all the press releases, you know, pretty much handled the college wrestling rankings and was was basically in a situation where I was getting paid to cover wrestling full time. Uh, that was going great. Three years. I got to travel a lot, um, you know, being the you know Matt side for all the big events, got press credentials. I mean, I'd been getting press credentials through Matt talk, but. Uh, then, you know, having a national name attached to it. And then I start covering Olympic trials and world team trials and, you know, going to the world championships and things of that nature. So, again, more opportunities here. Are you seeing this? And about three years into that, a guy named Jay Robinson, who is the wrestling coach up here at the University of Minnesota, was looking to start this thing called Wrestling 411. And it was a rest, it was trying to create a sports center for wrestling. And he basically got me and another guy named Kyle Klingman, who was the, who was working at the National Wrestling Hall of Fame's Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. So, guy has an idea, wants to start some sort of streaming radio station about wrestling. Who does he call? Whose name is on everybody's lips? That's right, Jason Bryant. Uh, he also was a columnist for another magazine that we were both working with. And, he basically got us both there to Minnesota. We were going to do this show. And the concept was we were going to do a radio show. We were going to do a television show and we were going to put everything online as well as on television because, you know, one of J Rob's big things is TV validates everything. Well, you know, a lot of cases he's right. So we start this radio show. We're trying to figure out how to do this. So we're calling up radio stations. Do we need to find how to be, do they have streaming capability? Because we wanted to do it live. And uh, this is kind of funny with everybody that knows about, you know, Dave, <laughs> Dave and all the, all the crew saying you don't need to do live. Well, yeah, if you're first starting out, don't do live. But here's the notice thing. The other thing that Jason is doing here, he just said, we don't know what we're doing. So they start making phone calls. They're trying to find the right people, the right things. But they didn't wait and go, hey, I've got all my T's crossed, my I's dotted. No, they're they're figuring it out as they go along. It's the other thing I love about this. This case we wanted to do live. We didn't know how to do it. Um, no, none of these stations called me back. And then we went, uh, we found a college radio station and they had, they said, yeah, sure. Pay us like 75 bucks a semester. It was something, you know, really, really low. And we did this show for an hour 
and uh, the call ins were, were the the phone line was bad. And you know, after a while, I you know about a month or two into it, I'm like, wait a minute, that's an iTunes logo on this page. Is this a podcast? I had no idea what we were doing was a podcast. So then, I guess about February, we kind of harnessed that. And we're like, all right, yeah, you can get us on iTunes or, or something. I mean, this was 2008, 2009. So I really was unsure of the, the technology. I was using Alesis Multimix 8. Everything that people are doing now, we were doing like six years ago and had no idea how to do it. And we were doing it completely wrong. I mean, there you go. And we did it. So he didn't wait until they figured it out. They'll make it up as they go along. He's getting paid to talk about wrestling. He jumped in the water. And you'll hear how this turns out. So four one one basically went for that whole year. Funding ran out. Kyle and I were kind of left out to dry a little bit, and uh, we both landed back on our feet. USA Wrestling, the national governing body, had an opening in Colorado Springs. Kyle went back down to work for the museum and actually landed in a much better position. He still does a show called On the Mat, which I actually distribute on my network. And uh, you know, I, I started a show at, at USA Wrestling for a short time, and then uh, when. That, I left that job after three years, uh, issues with my, my daughter. She had some medical issues. So uh, the amount of travel I was doing at USA Wrestling was just too much. My wife's from Minnesota. We came back here. I finally said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do this. I think I got, I, you know, I was, I had started short time and I'm driving and this is where we get to where Dave Jackson comes in. That's my favorite part of the story, but that's just me. Is I'm driving to the World Team Trials of June of last year and I'm listening to XM Radio. And I hear the LSU football coaches show, followed by the Auburn coaches show, followed by the Alabama coaches show. Then they shift over to the West Coast Oregon coaches show. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wait a minute, wrestling doesn't have this. I can do this. I can be the guy that does that. I was thinking, am I, am I crazy? I mean, because I had just the one show, Kyle's show, I was actually distributing with my, my short time feed. And, you know, there was a situation like, all right, how, where, am I going to do this on my own? And so I was like, hmm. Who do I know that knows about podcasting? Hmm, let me give Dave a call and see if this idea is even feasible. And you said, dude, do it. What's the worst that could happen? So I. So think about what is the worst that could happen? He could have started a podcast, invested, I don't know, 150 bucks in equipment and hosting, tried it and failed. And you go, oh, yeah, but I mean, that's an expensive hobby, $150 and then get no return. How many people, go ahead, if you want to raise your hand, I'll, I, I can virtually see you, I have a treadmill right now with laundry on it. How many of you have you know, all sorts of hobbies that didn't work out? We do this all the time, but Jason was doing it. How often do you start a hobby that can turn into a business that feeds your family where you get to talk about stuff you love? Now, granted, there's one difference here. that I, I don't want to overshadow this. Jason, through this whole story, has been doing what? Building relationships and positioning himself by taking advantage of opportunities. And everybody knows that's the expert. That guy right there, Jason Bryant, that guy knows wrestling. So he does have that. And depending on your story, you may not be known as the expert. But the cool thing is a podcast can help you be seen as an expert. But yeah, throw it on the wall. What's the worst thing that could happen? Jumped into it and had a couple guinea pigs after year one. And all of a sudden, uh, now I've got 12 shows that I distribute. I mean, granted, that's an accelerated version of the timeline. But, uh, you know, you gave me the the say, hey, dude, do it. You can do it. So, you know, you, you know, you're a big part of that, whether you know it or not, Dave. But uh, it was basically that 
hey, I need somebody to tell me that, yes, this you should do it versus, um, you know, sitting there going, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not an advertising guy. So that's well, kind of where we stand right now. And what's funny about this is after our first meeting, uh, Jason and I said, yeah, we should document this. We could turn it into a book. That was the original idea. And that may happen someday because uh, it's a great story. But as Jason just said, he has 12 shows. So when it fired up, it really fired up. And so you'll hear his strategy coming forward here of how is he getting these people to sign on the dotted line. Now, he said he had a guinea pig, and he'll talk about how he went to his alma mater to get that first one, that first person where he's producing their show. I love the fact that, obviously, you know that there's an audience for this because you're at the you know, you're at the events and there are people there. And so there is an audience. And if you gave a product that they would be interested in, it's one of those like, and you give them, you know, access to things that they don't have access to. These people would probably want to listen to it. And then you hyper niched it down and started going to different colleges that now can, I don't know if they use it for a a recruiting tool, but you could say, you know, well, we're, we're so-and-so wrestling and blah, blah, blah. You might've heard of our radio show. It's, you know, that type of thing. Who knows? But it was like, this should work in theory. You know, it's, it's got that local flavor, but yet a global uh, flavor because people that love wrestling love wrestling. They may not care where it's from. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you jumped into it. I guess your first one, you went to a college that, that you kind of know the coach. Yeah, I went, to, I went to my alma mater. So I needed somebody that, that trusted me. I'd known him for a long time. I mean, I went to Old Dominion, the coach at Old Dominion. I really needed that first guinea pig. I needed somebody that would trust me. And you know what? If they lost a little bit of money on it the first year, it's going to be like, all right, you know what? It was something new. We gave you a shot. Well, I gave him a little bit of an alumni discount, too, to kind of get him in the door because I had a price point in mind. I was like, all right, well, how about this? He goes, oh, we can do it for that. So two days later, I'm at that. And it was this was at the NWCA convention down in Florida in Fort Lauderdale last summer. And I call up another a friend who was coaching at another school within the state of Virginia at Virginia Tech. You know, I was about 20 seconds into my sales pitch and he goes, I'll do it. So, you know, there's people that get it. There's, you know, so right then and there, I have two right off the bat. Then, you know, I, I pick up a sponsorship with short time, my main show. And all of a sudden now I've got, now I've got three shows. Then I break out on the mat to its own. That's more of a favor. That's not a show we monetize, but you know, I do that for Kyle on the hall of fame kind of as a, a gratis type of donation type of thing. And it's like, all right, so now I've got, now I've got four. And then when the second Virginia Tech show came out, I had had a conversation with a coach at University of Maryland who was an Olympian and one of one of the guys that I would kind of put as as my one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And, uh, you know, he initially balked at the the figure when we were in in Fort Lauderdale. And then after the Virginia Tech show, the second episode comes out, he he calls me up. Hey, when are we going to do this podcast? So, boom. Now, there's three shows. And that was the first Big Ten school because Maryland just moved into the Big Ten. So now I've got you know, an ACC school, a school that I went to, uh, you know, I graduated from a big 10 school. And then I'm starting to pick up little organizations here and there that are starting to do it maybe as, as a monthly basis, not a long-term contract. We're just, you know, I'll, I'll be flexible with, with certain things. You know, the schools that have the bigger budgets, they got to pay up front and the smaller outfits, I, you know, we can do a monthly plan. So now how does Jason know when to do that here again? He knows his audience. In this case, he knows the, the school's so he knows when he can be flexible and when not to. And how does he know that? From years of being involved in that community. Awesome. 
Uh, that's that's kind of where it's standing. And it's like, all right, I just I just cashed a check today. I'm not going to tell you for how much. It's kind of some things I want to keep a little close to vest. But the, the, the 12th show I've launched uh, right here in Minnesota, boom. I mean, we got the check today. We just went to the bank before this interview. It was like, woohoo, we can pay taxes now. <laughs> Uncle Sam. <laughs> well, you said the, the one guy balked at it. When, when you're going into these pitches to say, look, here's what I want to do. I'm going to host a show for you. We're going to spotlight your program. You know, what kind of... Uh, how much education do you have to do in this pitch? Like when you go in and say, I want to start a podcast for your school, do they go, uh-huh? Well, at the point now, I think a lot of the coaches are younger. They're they're below 40 for the most part. So they're in tune with uh, mobile devices. I mean, recruiting is such a big deal. I mean, I think everybody's got a smartphone. So explaining the concept of what a podcast is, is less of the issue. The biggest hurdle is explaining because these are, these are basic, we're considered a non-revenue or a Olympic sport at a lot of these schools. So there's not heavy money floating around like the basketball team can pay a radio station 25 grand a year to do their coaches show once a week. And you know, okay, it's on the radio kind of being able to pitch the podcast thing. Hey, this is your show. This is your message. This is your content is where I have to push so they can see past the cost figure because one friend of mine was out at a school and said yeah we've got it in the budget this year well the school made a change to their athletic image so the entire the entire athletics department had to get new gear so instead of you know having that money that was set set aside for the show for this year they have to buy all new new equipment and that comes out of their budget so uh, I'm probably going to get that next year but uh, you know there's certain things the really big thing is, is is trying to get them through the whole money thing because it's not it's not expensive compared to what uh, you know the basketball teams are paying but the basketball teams have much bigger budgets they have much bigger fan bases they are they're revenue sports in a lot of cases they bring in money whereas uh, you know wrestling program for the most part you, you lose money on the scholarships that's really the tough fight is saying hey where is you know you kind of got to sell them on the value and then a lot of it too is selling my reputation because a lot of people know that in the sport of wrestling you know it's not like when I speak you listen and it's not I'm not that egotistical. I might be. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's like when when I have something to say, I've put some thought into it. And when you have, you know, I've won a couple of writing awards, a couple of broadcasting awards and the president of the media association. I mean, I've, I've run every major wrestling website in this country except for one. And and again, I'm going to interrupt him here. I've run every major wrestling website except one. How does that happen? By taking advantage of every opportunity that you have. It's just it's stuff as I listen to this back, I'm like, that this stuff doesn't happen by accident. And Jason is a hard worker. He's a guy that loves wrestling. And yet, uh, I, I, it's like I said, he takes wrestling very seriously, but doesn't take himself that serious. We're all kind of slack jawed, sarcastic people that like to have fun talking about the topics that we love. I love this. When I host your show, these high school kids, they'll, they know who I am. Like, whoa, Jason Bryant's hosting your show. These parents that, that consume this stuff, maybe more so than the kids be like, dude, how'd you get Jason Bryant to host your, to, to host your show? So part of that's selling me and branding me and, and being able to say, I can go to every college coach in this country and have a genuine conversation about their program and it's not be fake. So I think I sell them on my reputation. I sell them on the ability that it's their message. I'm a gun for hire in this situation. Yeah, I bring the journalistic aspect to it, but hey, it's your show. You talk about what you want to talk about. You you tell me what you want to talk about. And I can be, you know, basically frame it like, you know, any coach's show with is not like, well, Bob, today you are going to wrestle Joe. Tell us how you feel. No, I'm, you know, you got to put 
put those different spins on it. So uh, the long, long answer to that short question is I have to sell them on not the fact that what a podcast is. I think that that day is kind of behind us a little bit because now there's, you know, 30 something wrestling shows out there and people know it. Hallelujah. That those days are pretty much behind us. Uh, it's selling them on my ability to produce content, my ability to do it professionally, my ability to do it where you can trust me. I mean, I'm not going to screw anybody over here uh, because, you know, a lot of these people are my friends. I've, I'm in, a, in that weird situation as a journalist where you're covering your friends. And uh, I tend to take the journalistic role out of this for these team shows. Uh, short time, I still have that because that's kind of my national show where I have more of my opinion. But uh, being able to sell them on the concept of it's your show being able to sell them. It's, it's, you know, you can sell ads on top of this and keep all the money. I just want my fee. So, uh, and I'm going to pause it here before we get into selling ads on a show. But he said something there that blew right by you. He said, I can cover this without it being fake. That my friends is worth money because I've tried to do, I've been hired by other people to do, I think I've told this story before. I was hired to read. Somebody would type up words for me to read. It was the history of makeup. And it was by a, a spa that was all about relaxing and how it was all about, you know, making yourself feel good and look good. And they did a podcast on the history of makeup. And I am not passionate about makeup. And as much as I tried and I even informed my client at the time that this is not a good idea, number one, because I'm a dude and this might come across better, more, less fakey with a female host. And uh, they, they no, nah, nah, we want you to do it. It's great. And it failed miserably. And so, as I often say, I can lead people to, you know, I can lead people to the right solution, but they have to choose it. But here... Jason can cover this without being fake. And so one of the things he's doing now is he's talking to people. And they're like, mm, I'm not sure I have it in the budget. So here's one of the things you can do. You can basically say, well, it's your show. You can get sponsors to help pay for the show. And, of course, that money from the sponsors goes right in Jason's pocket. It actually goes in the college's pocket, and they then give it to Jason. But you get the idea. Basically giving them a lot of the, almost all the control really kind of opens the door for at least a conversation. If they don't do it this year, they might do it next year. That was going to be my question. If, if you're, uh, if they're allowed to sell ads on that, because that's basically what people do with radio. When you were doing the, the AM radio show, there were, I mean, if you want to put out the money, you know, to rent a radio station on the weekend, you can do that. The way you pay for that is you then go get your own ad. So you have to be a salesperson tell pay you the radio because the radio station doesn't care. They're like, Hey, however we get paid, you know, just somebody's going to, if somebody's going to sit behind that mic, we got to get some money. And however you get that, you know, whether it's from your pocket or from a sponsor that goes into your pocket and then goes out of your pocket, uh, that might be a way for schools to, uh, to do that. Heck, my one of my smallest schools, Buena Vista, small division three college in Storm Lake, Iowa, of all places, they they picked up a sponsor. The Villager Family Restaurant sponsors their shows. So, you know, they got a coffee shop in town. I think the coach is going to go after. So and there's a, a school out in West Virginia that's looking to get uh, super local on this. And that's the one thing I always tell the coaches is like, hey, where do you go after your match? You know, what's what restaurant, which bar do you guys go to get them to sponsor the show? I mean, is it is it the is it a Buffalo Wild Wings or is it the mom and pop pizza pizza joint with with the good cheese sticks? You know, Being 
what a great idea from a guy that at the beginning of this podcast said, I'm not a salesman. I'm just saying we all have that thing where why would anybody listen to me? I'm not an expert. Jason's like, I'm not a sales guy. And yet he just basically not only came up with the idea, but is coaching other people how to go sell ads. Just say it. Being able to put ideas in their head on how they can cover the cost and build their community with it. Because, yeah, there's social media, but at the same point, it, this is something that's engaging their fan base specifically for them that they want to listen to. Virginia Tech, for example, uh, their numbers have blown me away. It's like, are you kidding me? This many people? Wow. So, and I'm sharing that with their sports information office. They're like, wow, that's, we didn't expect it would be that high for just a single Olympic sport pretty happy with the with the feedback on some of them even the smaller shows they get you know five six hundred an episode you're like how many i didn't realize how many people knew univist had a wrestling program that type of stuff now are you charging per episode or per hour or how does without getting i'm not trying to get in your wallet but how do you structure that okay before we do that i was trying to hit pause on this and, and missed it five or six hundred downloads i'm assuming that's per episode and so if you think well, who would listen to me? This is like small town college wrestling. Pretty niche. But there's an audience out there waiting for you. Think about that. This isn't, you know, the basketball team like you was talking about. This is the the wrestling team. But think of all the parents and the aunts and the uncles and the players and the, the ex-players that have gone on to work and they want to stay tied to their their local community so and again if it's 600 people that's 30 classrooms i i think in multiples of 20 because i'm a teacher amazing all right so getting back to jason how does he go about uh charging for this uh basically the first year was really trial and error it was like okay i want to see what works i had an idea of i was going to do this many i was going to do initial idea i was going to do 24 shows for a set price and then i realized that the seasons the way it works like you know what I don't force myself into two shows that when there doesn't need to be two shows, it's like, you know, it's like the length of a show. It doesn't need to be an hour if you've got 20 minutes of content. Well, the same thing with how, how many shows I put out. If I don't have content for a show and then I talk with all three of my main clients that were on the year long contract in the pilot year, I says, what if I dial it back to 18? I go two a month during the wrestling season when, you, you know, we have content to talk about and they're actually busier in the off season than they are in season. So here's a good point on here. I'm jumping in again. It's not about the daily show. It's about being not. It's not about being consistent every single day. Friend, I do a five day a week show. Every day I put out a show, whether I got content or not. Jason was smart enough to go. You know what? This might make more sense. Cut back on the schedule and deliver heavy with the content. And they're loving it. So we'll do one a month during the in season so we can at least keep the subscribers so they don't, you know, you don't pod fade. They don't think you're, oh, well, there's no new episode. So we, we come up with the 18 model and I'd come up with basically a kind of charging them studio time because I know how much it takes for me to put a show together from the time I hit record and to the time I upload to Libsyn. So I kind of looked at that and came up with a rate and then uh, realized it's like, okay, that's probably a little low. I mean, it took me a year to come up with you know, my concrete rates. So it Oh, wait a minute. Does that mean he didn't know what he was doing when he started? He had an idea. He threw it on the wall. And over the span of a year, 
he came up with a better plan. Now, I was listening to a new podcast. It's at onthego.fm. This is uh, Jason Norris, and there's a show called Learning to Teach, Principles of Teaching and Learning. And he had a great analogy. And if you listen to the show, you know I'm all about the analogy. And I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that one? But, you know, Jason had read about podcasting. He listened to podcasts, things like that. And, and think about a recipe. You can read all sorts of recipes. I'm actually losing weight. I'm down about 11 pounds. And I'm reading recipes. But you know what? I don't know if it's good or not unless I do what? Get in the kitchen and cook it. And Jason got in the kitchen and he cooked it and went, hmm, you know what? This could use a little less episodes. You know what? This could use a little more flavor. This could use a little local uh, sponsorship here. And he worked on the recipe because here's the thing. If it's a recipe... If it doesn't work, it's not a failure. You just got to tweak the recipe. So I got that from Jason. He was talking about that. It's not a failure. It's a recipe. And the only way you know if a recipe is good, you got to cook it. You can't look. You can look at the picture and go, boy, that looks good. You lick the paper. It doesn't taste very good. You've got to go. You got to get off the page and you got to cook. So with podcasting, you, you can read all day. And you're going to get all sorts of conflicting stuff because half the stuff you read from 2006 will say feed burner is a great idea. Then you'll read it over and over and over how the blue snowball is a great microphone for podcasting. It's not. It's horrible. It's a condenser microphone. Feed burner. Horrible idea. So you could be reading really bad recipes. That's where the school of podcasting comes in. We got the recipe to get you going into pain-free podcasting. So I love the fact here that Jason is admitting, yeah, it took him a year. And he didn't sit there and think about it for three years before he pulled the trigger. He, he jumped in to the kitchen and started cooking while we still arranging the agreement, the, uh, the ingredients. So kudos to Jason. If you want to come up with a, if you want a year long contract, boom, then in your big school, you're going to get this rate plus a setup fee. Cause you know, we got to do the back, <clears throat> the WordPress setup and things like that and, and the hosting and pay for all the domains and such. So I have that covered up front plus the year of hosting. I look at it. It's like, okay, I don't know what other, other people charge. I mean, I'm not looking at, I mean, I have seen what some of the other, you know, I'm not sure what Podfly and those guys charge for this type of stuff, but I know that I'm not going to get involved in their space. I'm not trying to take business from them because I'm only worried about wrestling. So I'm looking at my numbers and I'd say they're super competitive and, and probably nowhere near as expensive, but it's, it's worth what, what's my time worth compared to what, what my market is. Yeah. I came up with kind of an hourly rate and then kind of went from there and said, okay, it's this much, and then I'm going to do this many shows, which comes out to this, and I find a round number versus like you know something ending in a seven. <laughs> well, you mentioned Virginia Tech. Any other surprises that have come up as you've been going through this process? The first show I launched for the Guillotine, which is a wrestling magazine. Uh, it's been around since the '70s here in Minnesota. And uh, their, their their publisher, Jeff Bishi, he's been he listens to podcasts all the time. And he he talked to me last year about wanting to do one. And he, I think somebody wanted to do one with him once and they did one episode and that was it. And I was actually I think it was hosted on Libsyn. And it, it's just because I remember looking through the old code. And so we recorded a episode zero 
We sat at a Buffalo Wild Wings uh, about 10 minutes from here and talked about the history of the magazine, what we want to do with the show. And I put that out and he's got a, it's a WordPress installation on his end. So I didn't need to, you know, no setup fee there. We just took care of it and then got the. And we're going to pause it here. Did you hear what he just said? They went to a Buffalo Wild Wings and talked for about 10 minutes. It's episode zero. Because who's going to listen to this anyway? And they didn't go spend thousands of dollars on equipment. Not sure what they did, but I'm assuming if they dragged it into Buffalo Wild Wings, they didn't have a bunch of PR40s and an 18-channel mixer with a bunch of noise acoustic foam. No, but listen to the end of the story. And their episode, eh, let's just throw episode zero up there, see if anybody's going to listen. Graphics set and put it out, and then he went on vacation. I uploaded the uh, the show to Libsyn, put the player in into a power press, and uh, didn't look at it for a couple days. I was curious. That's, that first episode's gotten 7,000 plays, and it's an episode zero. So that, to me, is completely surprising because it's, I mean, granted, a lot of them are web plays. Um, not sure what the Apple Core Media is, but I'm like, Okay, this is a good idea for a show because now I know people are definitely going to listen because there was actually no real content in that episode. Imagine how many people are going to be listening when we're actually doing post-match interviews from around town here, going to the state tournament interviewing coaches. And this is a show that I'm excited for because it gets me involved in the community. I live in Minnesota. I'm not from here, but I've, I've known these media folks. So it gives me an opportunity and an excuse to go to a high school wrestling match and interview a kid or a coach for the show. We've got world team members. We've got Olympians. we got... Uh, you know, the Iron Sheik trained in Minnesota, for those who are familiar with the other type of wrestling. But, uh, you know, that's show, that's a show that really surprised me. And 7,000 downloads. This is why I say don't blow off episode zero. I don't do episode zeros anymore. I do episode number one. I come out and I smack you in the face with the best content you've ever heard is what I recommend. It used to be, hey, this is Dave. The show's going to be about whatever. And uh, if you wait till next week, there'll be really good stuff. Not the best first impression. Why do people do episode zeros? Because they want to make sure the RSS feed works. I get that. But isn't it a bummer that 7,000 people got a show that was like, eh. But as much as he says it wasn't, con- it was content. I know Jason. Jason's not going to put out uh, garbage. You know, seeing what individual episodes do i was in las vegas this is this is a because of my podcast a little bit dave all right I was awesome. in, in las vegas at the buffet at the orleans which is the orleans hotel is connected to the orleans arena where we had the world championships and there's a gentleman named david lopez he lives in mexico he is part of a group called the international network of wrestling researchers it's completely nerdy they look over stats they look over techniques that score the most points and things of that nature to help work on rules he was talking to me and he said, yeah, my, my English is, you know, I'm sitting there at dinner one day. He's like, uh, my English getting better because he didn't speak a whole lot of English when I met him, you know, two years ago in Budapest. And he holds up his iPhone and he goes to the podcast app. He goes, I learn English. I like this show. And he points to one of my world, my world wrestling resource show. I'm like, really? There's a guy learning English who's, who's listening to the podcast about wrestling and it's helping him in his English. And I'm like, Where's Craig from English Podcast right now? He'd love this. Okay, I'm going to pause that right here. Now, how does Jason, Mr. Wrestling Guy, know about Craig from English Podcast? Why? Because Craig calls into a lot of different shows. He calls into the feed. He calls into this show. And Jason listens to those shows. How do you know the name Steve Stewart? You may or may not be listening to Money Plan SOS, stevestewart.me. But Steve is all over the place. He's also now the editor of Pottertainment Magazine. But 
you listen to any podcast, if he's got a question, he calls into many, many shows. So this is one of those where by knowing other people and knowing what they do. Now, Jason may not listen to Inglaya's podcast. It teaches people English. And I think Jason's got that down. But Jason knows that Craig helps other people learn English. I believe is how that works. I remember Craig's show. He was reviewed on the uh, podcast review show. But, and likewise, while I was doing uh, on International Podcast Day, Jason came on for a second, or might have been asked the podcast coach, but whatever. Jason came into a blab that I was on, and a woman was like, oh, hey, that's the wrestling guy. And she had some sort of Olympic jersey that she's eventually going to get to Jason. And so... How did she know he's a wrestler? Because he's been on all these other shows. So interacting with other podcasters and asking, sending feedback and asking questions and just interacting with the host can get you exposure to their audience. So if you're listening to a niche podcast and you like wrestling or you like NASCAR or, or gardening or whatever it is, and the host asks you a question, well, what do you think about this? You should be the first one on that phone. You should be the first one dialing up SpeakPipe or whatever you're using and getting onto that person's show. They just gave you an open door to get your name in front of people. And I, when I heard that, I was like, wait, Jason, how does Jason know Craig? Because everybody knows Craig is Craig. I love Craig. But, uh, yeah, so <laughs> I've got people from overseas that are listening to some of these shows. And I'm like, Really? And, uh, you know, one guy from the, the World Federation is like, yeah, I really like that World Wrestling Resource show. I'm like, you're kidding me. Awesome. Because I like doing that show because it's more of a roundtable. But I didn't expect it to be that well received. I mean, so, I mean, almost every show has been a pleasant surprise for one reason or another. Again, people across the pond are listening to your stuff. Say it with me. How cool is that? Have you had anything that you thought was going to work and just kicked you in the pants so far yeah i tried to crowdfund a show and uh we we briefly discussed this uh off the off the uh the chats in the the world of podcasting but i said all right i want to do this show for the hall of fame i want to interview wrestling legends i want to be able to donate the show basically back to the hall of fame so they're doing this digital outreach thing where eventually you can walk by the exhibits press play and my idea was like give them an interview that they could play and you know package it as a podcast for public cons uh, consumption give it to the hall of fame and i was like well you know they're in a fundraising situation right now so i'm like okay well i'm not going to try to ask you for money when you're trying to raise money so let me try to crowdfund it and you know i interviewed the first interview i did was back in april I haven't put out the first show of that yet because I, I I said, you know, I'm not going to do things really for free because, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, this is a good thing. I want to do it. But, I, you know, time is money in a lot of cases. So I've got this show. I haven't even started editing it yet, but I wanted to hit a certain number on Patreon or PayPal donations before I launched ep the first episode. And I was hoping that that's the one thing I deal with my sports community is sometimes we're not the most prolific when it comes to, you know, discretionary spending. I mean, people will complain about spending $3 a month on a subscription website for the sport of wrestling. It's like, it's dude, it's two Cokes. It's a cup of coffee. 
So um, that's kind of one thing that it hasn't jumped off like I expected. I mean, I've got a couple donations, and when you when you do that with Patreon, yeah, I'm I'm giving you some perks out of it. You're getting you know one of these Matt Talk hats if you hit a certain level of giving. Um, this 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 guide that I do that's a, a digital guide. I'm giving that at a certain level because there's no overhead with the digital guide. So I'm trying to entice people to to jump in there, but you know it's a it's a sport that's not really they're tight with their money. So uh, I'm kind of disappointed that it's not taken off yet. Maybe maybe I have to put a show out. Then they'll do it, but you know, finding the time. So I'm, I was kind of hoping the crowdfunding would kick off, but uh, you know, I think in some in some situations, people always expect other people to pay for something. That's so right. That's that's kind of kind of you know, it still says coming soon. I'm not going to abandon a project, but that one, if it doesn't get get momentum after a couple episodes, that'll be that'll pod fade really quickly because it's not costing me any money. It's not costing the Hall of Fame any money uh, because again, we're trying to crowdsource it, but. You know, that's the one thing is if you donate to the network, it goes towards this show. It's not like you're donating for this show and then I'm taking it. No, the, the you're donating to the network so I can help produce this show. And you have 12 shows now. Have you done the math to figure out how many total shows you can do? Um, I think I could probably handle up to about 15 before I have to start looking at some outsourcing with some of the editing. And I've already got that thing. If I get up to 20, I know, I, you know, I've got people lined up. Uh, ready to help me out in there and, and try to figure out what I need because most of my editing, it takes maybe from, from their end, maybe, you know, an hour or so it works. So I've got an idea. I mean, ultimately, I don't know how scalable this is, but I mean, I would love to bring on, you know, uh, you know, a couple friends that I know that are, that are really good in broadcasting be like, all right, Hey, you know, choose your host. You know, imagine that it's like, you've got, you know, it's like music radio creative, choose your, choose your audio when you, when you build your, uh, your soundbite. So uh, that's still a long ways down the line, but I think probably 20 is really kind of the, the point where I was like, all right, I cannot take on any more business unless I start outsourcing uh, the editing, which would free up a lot of time because then instead of the two hours, it's the 30 minutes to whatever for the interview and just ship the file. Yeah, that's uh, that's when it gets well, that's a good problem to have, though, at that point. Right. Because if you've got 20 shows and you've got some money in the bank to pay for the editing. So that's the good news. Yeah. I've learned it takes people about a year and a half to change their browsing habits. Like when I was at Intermat, it was the number one site at one point. It had kind of fallen off. It took me about a year and a half to get people coming back to the site and it's traffic skyrocketing. Uh, same with the USA wrestling. It was, you know, it was a good site. And then it took me about a year and a half. Then all of a sudden, boom, people start coming. I was right around the year and a half mark with uh, amateur wrestling news in the open mat when that started booming. And then, you know, that's, that's that's kind of how long it takes for people to realize, wait, I'm not doing the same thing I used to. They, they go to their habits, they go to their big three websites every day. Well, it, again, it takes a year and a half to infiltrate that and get people to change their habits. So I'm at a year coming up on a year and a half. So hopefully when I when I get into beginning halfway through year two, moving into year three, I'll have a waiting list. You know, that it's a nice problem to have. Um, like you're saying, it's like I'd like to have. You know, if ultimately if I have 10 programs paying a certain price, then I can just say, all right, that's it for the year. I can sit back and, you know, have my have my basically salary ready to go, whether it be monthly or or, or uh, annually and be like, all right, these this is my this is my commitment. This is my time commitment. Here's how I'm going to do it. Has your pitch changed at all from from the first pitch to like the whatever your the 13th show? If you go into pitch that one, what would you do differently? I actually would – thing is because I do have some success stories. I don't give the stats for the teams to potential clients just because 
uh, you know, the privacy issues. I don't want to be like, well, they get this much. I say, uh, there's, you know, how many people do you have at your wrestling matches? Well, I, there's certain programs on my network that have this many people listening. And that usually kind of to, to talk them, talk to them about how many people would listen is really kind of where I'm going with first. Then I don't have to educate them nearly as much on a podcast anymore because a lot of them are listening to my shows, um, whether it be my main show or, or one of the other shows. So they're listening to it or they're listening to another podcast on another network or whatnot. So the change has been refining, you know, I'm not a salesman, never have been, but for some reason I can, I can sell this. Okay. Uh, again, the, the, the key is, is saying that this is affordable. This is your product. I mean, giving them the ownership of what's going on. It's not like, well, what are you going to talk about? Well, Hey, you know what? Give me your, give me your recruiting list. I'll call the kids that uh, ask them why they went to the university of Maryland. So I did a couple interviews like that. So being able to pitch them on why this is a, positive promotion point beyond just tweets and periscopes. So, uh, and I had one school say that, yeah, we're, we, we'd love to do it, but our, our, our sports info says they're going to do everything with periscope. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, you're kidding me. You know, that goes away after 24 hours. Right. So, yeah, you know, education with the guys signing the checks is the big thing. Education with the guys who want the show is not nearly as much of a big thing as it was. What would you say to somebody who's thinking about, doing something like this. I, I had this idea. I was, I was at the Minnesota zoo a couple years ago, I guess uh, maybe last year with my daughter's birthday. I'm walking by, I go, I wonder if the zoo has a podcast. And it's not like, all right, I wonder if the zoo has a podcast. I put, I framed it as like, well, if I was going to host this podcast for this zoo, what would I have to do? I would have to probably educate myself enough to where I'm not like, okay. Um, and then what's that mean? And then what's that mean? I'd want to be a good host. So you can be a good host and not necessarily be an expert. Uh, but don't be fake. So that's one thing is, is be, if you, you give a crap about your topic, that's going to make educating yourself a little bit easier. I, you know, I listen to audiobooks. I'm interested there. You can't be like, I'm going to start a show about quilting and I know nothing about quilting. You just, it doesn't work that way. So you've got to at least have some interest in your topic. Um, I don't think you have to be a know-it-all, but I think you have to be willing to get educated and, you know, be a listener. That's one thing that I like to do with my show is I want people on, and you know what? Sometimes I have people on my show that nobody gives two, two craps about, but you know what? They're interesting. And if I get, if that show only gets 500 downloads compared to the, you know, the, the, the Mario Lopez who I had two weeks ago for, for 2000, you know, okay, guess what? 500 people learned something today. So I want to play that advocacy role. Like what would interest me as a listener? So those are the type of guests I get. So, you know, always, you know, I don't think don't do a show to hear yourself talk is one thing that people do. And I hear myself talk a lot and, you know, 12 shows, you're going to get sick of your own voice. But just, you know, care, be willing to get educated, be willing to learn, be willing to listen. Like people say that, why is Mark Maron such a great interviewer and Howard Stern a great interviewer? Because they listen. Well, what do you want to hear as a listener? Try to try to connect with what people want to hear, not what you want them to hear sometimes, too. See, and I was listening and you just said Mario Lopez and I knew you interviewed him. Uh, any, any fun stories about, uh, and of course I'm trying to, I can't, he's not Screech. He's not Zach. AC he was, Slater. He was AC Slater on Saved by the Bell along with, uh, TV host on numerous entertainment magazines and things of that nature, but, uh, extra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was that like? Any extra hoops you had to jump through or? Oh my goodness. I tried to start, I tried following on Twitter. I tried tweeting at him. Nothing, 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 nothing. So the real breakthrough came when I joined IMDb Pro. You know, people know the Internet Movie Database. Well, they have a pro function, which you pay, I think it's 19 bucks a month, a little costly for what it is. But 
when you click on the actor's name, it also gives you the representation information. So I had gone through all these looking for talent agents and PRs, trying to figure out who he was represented by. Got nothing. So we go there and I send an email and I get nothing. But it didn't bounce back. So then I send another email. I said this second request. Next thing you know, about a week later, it had been forwarded to somebody. So then now I'm I'm in touch with the right people. So we keep talking. It's like, well, he's too busy. And then I was like, I was like, hey, um, this is, you know, I know it's, you know, are we looking for a couple months? And it's like maybe sometime in July. It's like, well, he's, uh, it's too hard. He's he's busy right now. So I was just trying to fight through the PR window. And then I finally said, you know, it's like, hey, uh, I'd like to get this done before September. I'll be announcing the worlds if there's a window here. He's like, well, can you do it? Can you do it down here tomorrow? And, and at Universal City, I was like. I live in Minnesota. These these were all these are all going to be phone interviews or Skype interviews. And basically, it was like the wind, the light bulb went off. They thought I was going to try to come down there and interview Mario Lopez. And I thought I had made it abundantly clear that this was just a Skype call. And you know, once that happens, like okay, well, uh, yeah, how about this day? We finally get working, and we got it in like August. And then he had to reschedule. And I'm like, well. You know, the whole time I'm like, hey, thank you. I understand the industry whenever, you know, I'll be I'll be here and then circled around. It was like a week later. So it wasn't a big delay. I had kind of pitched that he was going to be on the show on Friday because I recorded it. I was supposed to record it on Tuesday. Didn't come out, but I got him the next week. So uh, ultimately, it took me five months from first email to hitting post on Libsyn to get Mario Lopez. And, uh, you know, at one point it was cool because he was in an uh, in an airport going through, he was checking in and he could have just ended the interview. It's like, Hey man, I got, I got to go through security, whatever. He goes, let me call you. Let me call you back. I mean, he called me back to finish the interview because he was talking about something that he doesn't get asked a whole lot about. It's the sport of wrestling. So, um, that was one that took a long time. I thought the payoff was good. Numbers weren't like super. I mean, he's got almost a million followers on Twitter, but I knew I wasn't going to get super high numbers because people that follow Mario Lopez are like retweeting and, and starstruck. They're not really like I don't know how interested people with huge followings are about the actual content that they tweet because he retweeted it and favored it. So, I mean, there was a decent spike, but it, it wasn't as big as, you know, Kale Sanderson, the head coach at Penn State. I mean, that that guy's got great numbers. Terry Brands, Tom Brands at Iowa. Right. And that's where I, I've heard that tip before where basically get your $20 ready, write down all the stars, for lack of a better phrase, info you want, pay your 20 bucks a month for IMDb Pro, get all the info and then cancel your... <laughs> account. That's one way of doing that, I guess. They, they vet you too. It's not like, right. you know, it's not like, you know, you get a cool guest on a podcast. Well, there's certain levels of, of, you know, there's certain actors won't go on any podcast now, a uh, D lister maybe, <laughs> but right. you know, sometimes you get lucky and they'll, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, de- you know, deter anybody from trying to go after somebody. If you've just got a small show, because in the grand scheme of things might, I mean, I'm a college and re- Olympic re- level wrestling show. My short time show is so that's small when you're Mario Lopez, but you know, they, they had to vet. They're like, okay, this, this is a professional job. It sounds good. Blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of the lesson there is just, uh, don't be rude. Be, uh, be persistent too. That was the other key. Cause you could have completely thrown a, a, a fit when he canceled on you, but that wouldn't have got you the interview. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, true. And I've, I've been close to throwing a fit about some folks with the, the professional wrestling world, the, cause there's a, a number of college and Olympic wrestlers that are in there trying to get through them. And it's, that's one thing I'm fighting with is like, there's a guy I know I have his cell number. He cannot give an interview without somebody from the WWE present. And when they're not returning your emails, that's one of those things where I'm, I am this close to going on blast, but I can't do it. Well, and of course you may be going, where have I heard that voice before? And of course, if you listen to the clamor cast, 
<laughs> Jason Bryan is the voice behind Clamor on Dave. Clamor on Dave. <laughs> awesome. I love that show. <laughs> well, you can find Jason at matttalkonline.com. Jason Bryan, my buddy, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, my pleasure, man. It's just it's one of these things. I feel like we could probably go on for another hour on this, but this show is yeah. only, uh, you know, a, a podcast as long as it needs to be, but it ain't need to be this long, man. <laughs> <laughs> and there you, you go. The one and only Jason Bryan. Find him at Matt Talk Online. Of course, I'll have links to this out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash four. Eight three, good stuff there. And again, if you're new to the show and you think it's weird that I interrupt my own uh, interviews, it's because of stuff that as I'm editing this, I'm like, "Ooh, that was a good point. Ooh, this is another good." And it's not that you can't get the good points. It just, just in case, in case you're multitasking and you're paying it. You know, maybe you're you could be picking up dog poop right as we speak right now because you're walking the dog. So it's like while you're bending over, Jason just said something really cool. So. Well, we've heard what is possible with a podcast. If you're ready to start, I'm ready to help. I would love to help. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com, click on the sign up button there, and uh, use the coupon code LISTENER, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R. That'll save you off your first month and every month after that. And it's pretty doggone cheap in the first place. And um, you will have uh, tools there to save you time to show you exactly what to do, how to do it. So you think about it. If we go back to the recipe analogy, right, you can read how to cook, you know, chop the onions, grate the cheese. But isn't it cooler? A lot of people now are learning how to cook by watching YouTube. Well, I show you how to cook with the tutorials right there at the School of Podcasting. I don't say edit your podcast in you know, audacity, I show you how to do it. So we take all the guesswork out of it. We get you on the road to pain-free podcasting. We flatten that learning curve and say, see ya, and then let you get on to the fun part, which is interacting and building your audience. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, coming up in the future, I've got Hannah from PodClear, now part of Blab.im, coming up. I've got um, some other tools that I'll be looking at and, of course, anything you'd like to hear. So if you have any kind of idea, like I wish Dave would talk about this, go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact and uh, let me know. I would love to talk about whatever it is you want to hear. So thanks so much for tuning in. And until next week, class is dismissed. Take care. And God bless. Yeah.